We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And of course, happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on April 14th, um, on Thursday, April 14th, I should say, as we are now officially, I think we recorded our last episode yesterday uh, for our edge preview. We were, I think, just over two weeks away from the NFL draft. Well, now we are officially two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft. So uh, Yusei, how are you feeling now that we're just that much closer to uh, the real deal here as the draft rolls around soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling real good about it. I know it's going to be here quicker than expected. I mean, I know there's been a lot of chatter on social media as of late in terms of could Baker Mayfield possibly be traded. So I think that, you know, we know this, the NFL never sleeps. It's just been relatively slower for the Bears as of late because whenever the wire kind of comes out and we get the news about which team signed which players, which teams went ahead and brought which players in for a visit, all that kind of good stuff. The Bears are a team that's not really listed on there as of late. But, you know, for the Bears right now, it's relatively slow, but it's going to pick back up here in a couple of weeks. And then you talk about some of the chatter I mentioned on social media. Don't be surprised, I think, if there is a trade that's made that could possibly shake up the draft board with a guy like Baker Mayfield being traded from Cleveland to Seattle. So lots of stuff to keep an eye on. Yeah, it certainly has been a quiet offseason for the Bears in total, but uh, if there's one spot where there has been a ton going on, it seems like it has been the way that the Bears have addressed interior defensive line, and that's going to be the subject of today's episode as we continue our uh, positional preview series for the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, this time going over the interior defensive line. Last week we did edge group, which would encompass some defensive ends on the defensive line. But um, now we're looking at the interior guys who are going to be pass rushing from the inside. And we look at this group here for the bears, obviously a lot of turnover this offseason. It seems like uh, it's just 
it started off early on in the offseason where you had the whole fiasco with the Larry Ogunjobi signing that ended up not being a signing in the end. Um, you had guys like veterans like Akeem Hicks, uh, Will Nichols. Those guys ended up leaving for different places. Akeem Hicks is still a free agent right now, so I, I doubt he's going to come back to the Bears, but I mean, I'm just saying it's an option. Um, I, I doubt he would come back, though, just because of a variety of factors, but Will Nichols going to the Las Vegas Raiders on a two-year deal. Um, you know, the Bears still have Angela Blackson, Kyrus Tonga on the roster. And then when, you know, they, in the first day of free agency, they signed Larry Okajobi, which I mentioned before, to a three-year deal, which um, anyone who's followed me knows that I was not a huge fan of the signing. Um, and as it turns out, I feel like uh, Ryan Poles, I, I felt like that would have been a huge mistake for that to have happened. And I, I think he may have gone, well, I feel bad for Ogan Joey, the player, for not for missing out on his deal. I think Ryan Poles, the GM and the Bears organization, got a little bit of a mulligan here because, as it turns out, Ogan Joby is still not healthy from, I believe he had a, a foot injury uh, at the end of last year that he had surgery on. So he's still recovering from that. Obviously, the, the Bears medical staff didn't feel good about it. So the Bears ended up backing out of that deal. So Larry Ogunjobi, not a bear, as it turns out. Uh, the Bears still need someone to fill that three-tech role, which is very important for Matt Eberflus's defense. So they end up pivoting, and they end up going with Justin Jones, who ended up playing, who's a third-round pick of the Los Angeles Chargers from, I think, 2018, who's been them for, with them for four years as like kind of a role player, role player rotational guy. They bring him in on a two-year deal to fill that three-tech role. Um, more of a run defender, but you know, still has some pass rush juice. If you look at his tape, um, there is some of that on there, but they bring him in as kind of like a spot, you know, stopgap guy to fill that spot. So right now you have, as your depth chart here uh, for the Bears at defensive line, you have Justin Jones, Kyrus Tonga, Angel Blackson, and then Edwards, uh, Mario Edwards Jr., who is still here. Um, he's got two, year, two years left on his three-year deal that he signed with the Bears last offseason. So a lot of activity, a lot of changes here on the defensive line. You know, you say it, any thoughts on how the Bears have addressed this thing moving forward here? Because, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft to address this. But, you know, I know the defensive line in the interior is very important for Eberflus's defensive scheme, especially that three-tech role. So it's been very interesting to see this play out throughout this offseason. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it certainly has been interesting. Now, I think the Larry Ogunjobi signing, there's something that needs to be said because he tweeted about how his offseason foot surgery was successful. And tweets really don't mean anything in the context of when it comes to evaluating players based on how healthy they are. That's what the physicals are for. Now, you ultimately look at the signing. You know, I had mixed reactions to the signing because if you've been following my work at Bear Report, I've consistently said this all offseason that the Bears signings this offseason have been about two things scheme fit as well as or familiarity. And so the reality of the situation was that grabbing Ogunjobi in free agency was all about kind of making a signing that was predicated on keeping Matt Eberflus about as happy as he could be. But ultimately, you look at the defensive line this year. I mean, there's been a lot of turnover for the Bears. You look at three core starters and Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman completely gone. Now, Akeem Hicks and Bilal Nichols, I think, are two names they we knew Akeem Hicks was going to be gone because we saw that injuries just really went ahead and derailed his careers you could have made an argument for bringing Bilal Nichols back because he does have the experience playing in a 4-3 system as a nose tackle but I don't think that he would have ever realized his full ceiling now and I say that as someone that's that was high on Bilal Nichols coming into the league because he did have 
a really solid rookie season. But then you look at the 2019 season, he breaks his hand the first couple of weeks, 2020, 2021. He never really took off. If you look at Eddie Goldman, whose play, and I, I want to take a step back regarding Eddie Goldman, because Eddie Goldman to me at one point was one of the more underrated defensive tackles in the game. But then as soon as he opted out of the 2020 season, he tried to come back for 2021. He was not in football shape or in playing shape, wasn't even fully healthy for that matter. And so, he, again, you know, being a guy that was a zero technique in a 3-4 defense, which, again, for our listeners who don't know, a zero technique is essentially a defensive tackle that lines up right over the center. He would not have been a good fit, and it just would not have made sense for the Bears to try and make it work with Eddie Goldman going into a 4-3 defense. So you look at it, I mean, there's been a lot of turnover, but granted, I mean, some of it is all warranted because at some point I think Ryan Poles was kind of looking at the defensive line and saying, okay, the time for the current group that was together at the end of the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy era was basically coming to an end. And so for the Bears, I think when we talk about the outlook of the defensive line here in the context of the draft, I know that Dane Burglar from The Athletic had a mock draft where I think he had the Bears picking a defensive lineman in the second round. Now, personally, I don't think that that necessarily makes sense because I do think when you look at the Bears signings like Justin Jones and Elkuddin Muhammad, that makes some sense here just in the sense that the Bears are confident Jones and Elkuddin Muhammad are going to get the job done and that defensive line should by no means be a high pick for this team. Yeah, I, I honestly forgot about Eddie Goldman. He just has been a really big part of this team over the last couple of years. Eddie kind of just was kind of just in the back of my mind completely when I when I mentioned all the offseason moves. But yeah, the Bears cutting him, obviously another indicator that they're just ready to completely rip the band-aid off for this defensive line group and just I don't know if start from scratch is the right word, but basically revamp this this uh position group and um just add pieces here that fit better for what Matt Eberflus wants to do on defense here with again that three tech role but also like you said not having a traditional three four nose tackle like Eddie Goldman certainly makes a lot of sense um, now as we transition from that you know all these moves to the draft uh, I think this will be fascinating what the Bears end up doing here because when you look at this defensive line class in the interior um, I, I think it's one of those positions where there are some intriguing guys at the top of this draft but um, as opposed to this edge group, which we talked about in our last episode, where there's a ton of talent at the top, there's a ton of talent in the middle of the draft, and there are some sleepers that are intriguing as well. It's just a very talented and deep draft class at the edge group. The interior defensive line, it, not the same case here, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, there are some guys I really like here at the top, but the depth just isn't really there uh, for me in this draft class. Um, there are some guys that may be intriguing for that three-tech role. The Bears are looking to address that here, which we're probably going to be talking about, I'm sure, uh, throughout the course of this podcast today. But before we get into our top five guys, uh, you said, what are your what are your thoughts on this overall draft class for this interior defensive line group? So, yeah, I would say that this is not one of the strongest positional groups in the draft by any means if you had to rank the draft in terms of tiers from let's just say one to five I would say that the defensive line position would probably fall in towards the bottom of tier three for me kind of borderline tier three and four now with that said I mean I think there's still a lot of really solid talent here 
You get both the guys from Georgia and Jordan Davis, as well as Devontae Wyatt. Oklahoma's got a solid option here in Perrion Winfrey. You've got John Ridgeway, DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M, who a lot of people had ranked as the number one defensive line going into the offseason. And then you just get down the board, and there's a couple of familiar names like a Chris Hinton or a DJ Davidson, guys that I've kind of kept an eye on over the last couple of years. Sam Mustafer, the Bears center, his own brother, PJ Mustafer, is from Penn State, probably going to be a day three pick or an undrafted free agent. So there's some, you know, room to work with here in terms of this defensive line group, but it's not necessarily loaded by any means. And compared to a position like an offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge rusher, even cornerback, there's not necessarily, and even linebacker or safety, there's not necessarily that blue chip prospect in this positional group. Yeah, certainly no blue chip prospect, I would say, but there are some guys I think are pretty close to, the, to hitting that mark, I think. And I think that's a good way to segue into our top five interior defensive line for this draft class. So I'll start with you. You say, who are your top five guys uh, to look at in this class? Yeah, so number one, I've got Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. And then number two, I've got Jordan Davis from Georgia. So both the Georgia guys rounding out at one and two for me. Three, I've got Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma. And then four and five, I have John Ridgeway from Arkansas and DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. You know, I think when you look at Devontae Wyatt, the consensus does kind of seem to be that he is one of the better defensive linemen in this class. I think when you ultimately look at him, you know, he comes just comes off to me as a true four, three, three technique, but ultimately you look at it. I mean, Georgia has been one of the schools that's been one of the best in terms of sending defensive talent to the NFL over the last couple of years. And we know that the current Bears scouting staff, which was also here under Ryan Pace, like Mark Sadowski and those guys, the Bears love their Georgia players, you know? So ultimately when you look at a guy like Devontae Wyatt, I mean, I think that he's been a multi-year starter, which is just a big strength of his, but then you look at just the quickness and explosiveness that he adds, just the counters that he brings to the uh, table, as well as a variety of pass rush moves. I think he's a really, really solid defender and that this run defending is probably the strongest aspect of his game and that he's got a really smart football mind. He's one of those players where it's like, I think oftentimes what makes a defensive lineman so great is their ability to go ahead and anticipate a play before it's going to happen. And they have their eyes going in the direction which they think the play is going to be going in before the snap's even taken. I think Devontae Wyatt really does that. And the number two, his own teammate, Jordan Davis. Now, Jordan Davis, I certainly think interesting because he's not necessarily the most explosive guy off the snap or off the line of scrimmage, but and he does have some room for improvement, but he, I think he's a really smart, instinctual player, all right? And then he's got, you know, functional strength as well as versatility, I think, are some of his biggest assets. Now, when you look at Jordan Davis overall, I think the big thing that he really needs to go ahead and work on is that he has to use his hands to be able to go ahead and counter better. I do think that he's a player that can be a day one starter in the NFL, but I could also see him being somebody that kind of starts his career, his rookie season off, I should say, as a rotational guy. And then eventually a team just works him into the um, starting lineup. So then number three, I've got a local Chicago area kid who I believe went to one of the Chicago public schools, but that's 
Perion Winfrey, who played at a junior college before transferring over to the University of Oklahoma. Now, when you look at Perion Winfrey, I mean, size is never really a concern. I mean, he's about six foot four, six foot five, right around 310 pounds. When you look at him, I mean, I think he's really flexible. So he gets after the ball carrier, right? Really good football IQ is able to go ahead and has a high motor that just consistently keeps on running a really explosive first step as well. I think when we look at a guy like a Perion Winfrey, is he the greatest athlete on the field by any means? Absolutely not. But I think the high motor as well as the size and strength are what put him over the top. And then number four, I've got John Ridgeway from Arkansas. So he's certainly interesting because he started his career at uh, Illinois State where he played for about three or four seasons when I was doing research and then transferred to Arkansas to kind of round out the fall 2021 season. Now, Ridgeway, I think, is one of the few guys that is a 3-4-0 technique. So in the context of that, what you're basically going to be seeing is a guy that's a two-gap um, run defender. Ultimately, when you look at him, I mean, okay, same stuff, right? Really good first step as well as a really high motor too. He does have a sound understanding of the position. And then I think what rounds him out as a prospect is that um, – he does have the size and speed. So with Ridgeway, I think at the next level, the thing is he's going to have to be versatile in terms of being able to fit the right scheme. Now, the fifth and final guy is DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. And I think he's one of the more interesting case studies in this entire draft. Why he slipped down so many draft boards, I think there's a lot of different factors to that. But when you look at DeMarvin Leal going into the college season, a lot of people had him, as well as a handful of other Texas A&M prospects, just ranked as all first-rounders. But Leal now, I think, has a late day two, early day three grade on him. You know, when you look at him, I mean, the one thing that Leal offers compared to some of the other guys is the ability to play on – both the interior, but also on the edge. Ultimately, when you look at him, right, I think pretty good run defender, has a good motor too. And then ultimately, right, has a pretty versatile prospect as well. And I will say regarding Leal, I think they there's still ample room for improvement when he does get to the next level, depending on whether he plays in a three, four or a four, three, I would say that he does need to add some more muscle to go ahead and round his frame out. Otherwise, you know, 283, 84 pounds is just too small for a defensive lineman. You could argue. So he's going to have to add some muscle in an effort to really make sure he's not getting pushed by bigger offensive linemen or pushed at the point of attack by bigger offensive linemen, I should say. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I'll definitely say in terms of, you know, what the Bears are looking at here, um, it's interesting because I I think the three-tack Perry on Winfrey is certainly a name to keep an eye on. Uh, because he kind of fills that he's he's kind of like the perfect fit for that three tech role that the bears are looking for so while i don't have him him in my top five he was very close he was right on the edge there making my top five i think he's a good third round uh, type of player because you know he does have that pass rushing ability but the lack of consistency was a big issue for me um, during his career at Oklahoma, he had he would have some games and, and some plays throughout the course of a game where he looks like a dominant player, and then there are stretches where he just he just disappears and he gets bullied around and just isn't there. But um, you know he, he's another interesting player, John Ridgeway, another guy that I kind of like as a day three pick. Whenever when I watched him, it's like an early day three, late day two type of guy. It's a run defender. Um, but as for my list here, my top five. Um, I, I agree with you. Number one and number two, Devontae White out of Georgia, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, the two Georgia guys. Uh, these two are absolute just freak show talents. Like Devontae White, I think he's the best all-around defensive, uh, interior defensive lineman in this class because he can pass rush. He's extremely quick. He's a strong run defender. Um, he, he can impact the game in a variety of different ways. I think he's the full package as an def- interior defensive lineman. And then number two, I guess not too far behind him is Jordan Davis out of Georgia, his teammate. Jordan Davis, I think, was the more highly publicized guy going into the year out of these two. But obviously, Devonta Wyatt, I think, especially with his performance at the Senior Bowl, really pulled away um, in that regard. But Jordan Davis is a fantastic pros- prospect in his own right and just the, one of the most freakiest athletes in this entire draft class. It was one of those – it was a running joke uh, for a while after the NFL scouting combine when he just had a – just a historic workout, basically, when you look at what he did. At six foot four, six, foot six 340 pounds with 34-inch arms, this guy runs a 4.7840, has a 32-inch vertical jump. Like, just – like, it's one of those where I, I looked at that the first time and I was just like, get – get out of here because that's just ridiculous a guy that big to run that fast in the 40 yard dash is is it's insane absolutely insane there's a running joke for a while where you would basically put jordan davis what would you what would his uh, relative athletic score be um if you put him at like linebacker or safety and he was still getting like like elite grades because obviously size is a huge factor in that as well but you know he was testing better than some linebackers in terms of speed um and explosiveness and for a guy who's 340 pounds, like it's, I don't know what they're feeding these guys at Georgia, but uh, it, it's incredible the, 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 type, the type of athletes that they're generating and they're recruiting there at Georgia for that defense. Like he, he and he's one of the special ones. Um, now, in terms of his football ability, um, this is where things get interesting because while he had an insane workout, you look at his film, like he's a very good player, especially against the run. He's almost a non-factor at this point as a, as a pass rusher. And I think he only played 40% of the snaps at Georgia this past mm-hmm. season because they basically just use him as a run-defending, nose-tackle specialist. And he was dominant in that role. You, you look at some of the plays he has on tape where he's just exploding into the backfield, uh, just 
making offensive linemen look like little kids out there. Um, I guess run taking on double teams, like shedding double teams. Like it, it was too easy for him at times defending the run in the interior there. But as a pass rusher, you know, he just didn't all, he just did put, put it all together. So I think the hope for many teams is um, let's say Devontae Wyatt does see a significant drop. Jordan Davis is the first defensive lineman off the board. You hope that if you're picking him the first round that he can carry over that dominance as a run defender to the next level. But you hope that, um, what he showed as an athlete at the NFL scouting combine, uh, you hope that you can kind of coach him up to be a better pass rusher and work on his conditioning a little bit. Um, and hopefully turn that, turn him into the point where he's not just a one dimensional player as a run defender. You hope that he can impact the game, both in that aspect of things. And as a pass rusher moving forward, taking advantage of that athletic ability that he has. But if he doesn't, I mean, he's got a very high floor just because of the fact that he is such a dominant run defender. He's going to have a role in the NFL for a very long time. doesn't really matter what the scheme is. Now, uh, another player from a number three uh, guy here who kind of fits that interior, uh, I wouldn't say nose tackle, but definitely more of a zero technique or one technique uh, run stopper guy is Travis Jones out of Connecticut. And Travis Jones is interesting too, because he was a little bit of a late processor, uh, late riser in the process. Um, because of, of what he did at the senior bowl, showing that he has a little bit more pass rush juice than uh, he was giving, giving credit for uh, earlier in the process. But this guy, I mean, he's another one of these players who tested very well um, in terms of his workouts. Um, you watch him on tape and this guy's extremely strong at the point of attack. He's a good athlete. Um, he has the ability to get off blocks, take on double teams, and he has more of a pass rush juice then I think he gets, he has more of a pass rush shoots than he gets credit for. Uh, because you look at his combine workout, he had a 492 40 yard dash, uh, pretty decent uh, explosive numbers, pretty decent agility numbers for a guy uh, at six foot five, 333 pounds. He's got 34 inch arms, so the length is there. Um, he's got a lot to like about his game overall. And, you know, it's one of those things where, again, he showed just enough, enough pass rushing potential at the senior bowl where you can say, okay, there is enough here to where I, I, you know, this guy could be an impact player on all three downs. Now, I, I think it's likely that he needs a couple of years to develop that pass rushing element to his game. But, you know, I, I think he's, I got a second round grade on him. There are some rumors that he could uh, sneak his way into the bottom of the first round, which I, I wouldn't be surprised because there are teams that need some defensive line help late in the draft here and look at the chiefs. They need some defensive line help. The Bengals could need another defensive lineman uh, with Larry Okunjobi or free agent. So there is a need for him uh, late in the first round there. Um, but, you know, I, he's a guy who I think his best football is to come. And I think it's the right situation. He could be a very, very good player at the next level. Now in terms of another guy who's a little bit of an opposite from the last two in terms of uh, this guy is fits the mold of an undersized pass rusher, uh, my number four guy is Logan Hall out of Houston. I have a second round grade on him as well. It's more of a late second round grade because, um, again, I don't really love this defensive line class overall. But Hall is a guy that I would take a chance on if I'm looking for a situational pass rusher. Uh, he, he's an undersized guy. He played at, at around 260 and 270 during his college career at Houston. So he's going to have to bulk up at the next level. Um, there are some elements to his game where he doesn't have the greatest length in the world. So that kind of hurts him a little bit. Um, I, I don't think he tested quite as explosive, explosive as I thought he would um, at the scouting combine and such. Um, and his senior bowl was solid, but 
nothing spectacular there. But you look at his tape, this guy has a very intriguing pass rushing skill set. Uh, he's got very good power in his hands. Um, he can convert speed to power very well. Um, his bull rush is very nice. He's got a couple of counters there that he uses to his benefit in the interior. There's just a lot to like about Logan Hall. And again, I don't think uh, he's a traditional fit as a true interior defensive line guy. He's probably going to have to be used in a unique role because of his size. Um, but he, he plays strong against the run. Uh, he doesn't really get demolished against double teams either. So he's not a complete liability in terms of that aspect of things defending the run. But I like his game in terms of being that pass rusher in the interior uh, where he can use his quickness and his power uh, to get after the quarterback. And I don't know if he's a traditional three technique for the Bears here. We're just uh, sticking to that aspect of things uh, in terms of how he fits with the Bears. But as a 3-4 defensive end, I think he could have a, a, a definitely a nice role there um, as a weak side 3-4 defensive end, uh, depending on the scheme that he goes to. And then for my number five guy for this defensive line class, I have Matthew Butler out of Tennessee. Uh, this is somebody that kind of became a draft crush of mine early on in the process. You know, he was kind of seen as a fifth round, the fourth round, day three pick early on in the draft process. And I think um, he, he dominated the Shrine Bowl. Uh, I, I believe that was... I believe that's what it's called. He, he dominated there uh, in the pre-draft process uh, postseason, and then he, he worked out very well as well at the NFL scouting combine. I really like Butler's game. He's got um, a very he's got an explosive first step. He's big. He's strong. He's powerful at the point of attack, and he's got some pass rush juice to him. Now he's got to work on some things in terms of adding some counters to his game, but there's a skill set there. And he's extremely versatile. He can play defensive end in a three-four scheme. He can play that three technique role. Uh, you can beef him up a little bit, maybe. And he can he can even play that one technique role in a four-three scheme if you want. Uh, there's just a lot to like about his game, in my opinion. And I think he's gonna, you know, right now he's kind of seen as a late third round, early fourth round type of guy. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he goes even earlier in the draft because I think there's a ton of upside to his game. And it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he sneaks his way into the early third round conversation as we get closer and closer to the to the draft here. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now let's get into our sleepers uh, for this, this class as well. So you said, I'll go to you first again. Uh, who is your main sleeper for this interior defensive line group? 
Yeah, so one of my sleepers right now, and I would say the number one guy would be Haskell Garrett from Ohio State. I think when you look at Haskell Garrett just overall as a player, he's another one that I think is going to be a rotational 4-3 defensive tackle at the next level. What I really like about Haskell Garrett is I think that he's an ideal fit in the um, Bears defensive scheme, especially now in Williams and Matt Eberflus's scheme. I think he's got a really explosive first step, perhaps one of the more explosive first steps among the, you know, day two, day three prospects, especially the day three prospects. And then he really plays with leverage. All right. He's got really powerful hands. And what that does is allow him to go ahead and basically not or basically control offensive linemen at the line of scrimmage. What I also really like about him is that when it comes to the point of attack, Haskell Garrett's not only agile, but he also plays with a lot of quickness and power and that he's got really long arms. So those allow him to basically power, I'm sorry, push back the offensive linemen at times. So Haskell Garrett, I think overall, when we talk about a player who's shown flashes on tape, a player who has key attributes needed to play D-line, such as strength as well as power. You know what? He's a really solid player. And I think that when you round him out as a prospect, he is someone that's got all the tools, all the necessary traits to succeed simply because he is a really good athlete. Yeah, for for my uh, sleeper here, uh, I have a couple options that I want to talk about. Uh, I'll mention one real quick because he's kind of like a hybrid edge uh, defensive line prospect. That's Josh Pascal out of Kentucky. Um, Now he's not a traditional uh, fit. And I think in a four, three system, because um, I think his fit would be on the edge in a four, three, because he can't, he doesn't have enough size to play that three technique, but he's got an interesting skill set as a guy who can play, uh, you know, four, three defensive end, I guess. Um, on early downs and then go inside for pass rushing down situations. And he's got a really nice quickness in his, uh, to his game. Um, and he does a really nice job of using his leverage to convert speed to power, generate a bull rush and get after a quarterback. Uh, he did a really nice job at Kentucky. Uh, he was a pressure machine during his last year of college year. I really like what I saw, but in terms of my main sleeper for just purely interior defensive line, I got Thomas Booker out of Stanford kind of fits a similar mold to uh, the Pascal's Logan Hall's is, you know, kind of an undersized, but very athletic player uh, in the interior who gets, you know, he, he wins by using his quickness and his uh, smarts more than anything to get after the quarterback and make plays in the run game. Now Booker, I really like him because, you know, he's a smart player. He's a very experienced player. I think he's a very safe prospect in terms of the fact that, I think you know what you're getting out of him. Again, he's not going to fit um, all systems and all schemes because there are some limitations to him, I think, as a pure run defender because of the lack of size to him. But if you're looking for you know some extra juice as an interior pass rusher, I think he's a nice uh, player to look at early day three, um, maybe even late day two, because there is a lot to like about his game from uh, a pass rushing standpoint. And again, he has the versatility to play a variety of different spots along the defensive line, which is something that Stanford took advantage of, of quite often. He played a lot of one technique. He was three technique, five technique. Like he played up and down the defensive line at Stanford. And I think it's going to help him quite a bit in this draft process in terms of going a little bit higher than I think he may be projected to uh, right now. So those are some of our sleeper guys. Now let's get to our overhyped prospects. You said, who's your overhyped prospect for this draft class? 
Yeah, for me, it's actually going to be one of the SEC guys, which is going to be Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. I think for a player that's a senior, Neil Farrell Jr. just did not put enough on tape over the last couple seasons to really warrant getting the hype that he kind of deserves. I know a lot of people oftentimes will look at LSU and say, yeah, they're going to send some solid defensive prospects to the NFL. But I think that when you look at LSU and the prospects that have been drafted over the last couple of years, what's interesting is the, or I should say this. What's interesting is that LSU has sent good linebackers as well as good cornerbacks to the NFL. So good linebackers and DBs in general, but D line is one position where I feel like they've kind of been lacking. And I think that Neil Farrell Jr. kind of adds to that just because he's been a rotational player for most of his career. I mean, 2021 was the only year where he was a legitimate starter and there were consistencies on tape that you saw, but also I think when you look at him just as a player, you know, as a run, as a run defender, oftentimes he's getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. And so when you see a player like him getting knocked around, I think the big question has to kind of come up, especially him being a one-year starter, is that why is he getting knocked off the line of scrimmage? Does he not have enough strength? And I think that's exactly what it is with Neil Farrell Jr. So he's a player that I think just overall wrapping up here, he's a guy that can have an okay NFL career, but I would not be surprised to see him be a you know, late day three pick or drop out of the draft entirely. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, Farrell's kind of a one-dimensional player. He kind of fits that nose tackle mold as a guy who's going to be a two-down guy, defend the run a little bit. But like you said, if he's not going to be dominant defending the run, then like what's his role really in the NFL? Because he's not going to contribute much as a pass rusher. So yeah, I agree. If he's not going to be a dominant run defender, um, I'm not sure how much of a place he's going to have in the NFL as a real contributor um, for a defensive line rotation. Now he, he could put it all together, but he didn't really test well as an athlete either. So um, definitely some questions on Farrell going into this draft. Now for me, my overhyped guy, uh, I have a couple uh, here. Fidaria, Fidarian Mathis out of Alabama just wasn't really impressed with his tape uh, for a defensive tackle there. Just I, the first couple of games I watched, I saw a guy that got pushed around all the time uh, against the run. He didn't really have any pass rush moves to really uh, speak of. A lot of his pressures came off of um, stunts and, and things of that nature where he's just taking advantage of the scheme to get pressure. Now, um, I know a lot of other analysts like him quite a bit more than me, but I, I just didn't really see it with him. And then DeMarvin Leal, uh, Texas a and he was your number five guy in this list. Again, I, I think a lot of the appeal with Leal has to, has to do with the fact that you know, he was, I think, a five-star recruit coming out of high school. So there was a ton of hype uh, for him coming out of high school, going into college at Texas A&M. And he just never really lived up to that, in my opinion. You watch him on tape, he just doesn't really do anything great. Um, he doesn't really, he isn't really terrible at anything, but he just isn't really good at any one thing that you can point to that, that says, yeah, this guy is a player that I want to pick in the first or second round 
And I think he can be a difference maker going forward. Like, again, there are some interesting traits where maybe you can build off of there, but, you know, he didn't really test as great, I think, as he um, was hoping for um, at his NFL scouting combine and pro day. Um, he's kind of a tweener in terms of he's not really an edge, but he's not really a true interior defensive line guy. Like maybe I think his best role would be to beef up and be a three, four defensive end, I think in the right system, um, kind of similar to a Roy, Roy Robertson Harris for the Chicago bears. I think I could see him maybe having some success in that type of role. Um, but again, I just did not see a dominant player on tape, which is interesting because he's gotten so much hype throughout his college career, um, as being this potential difference maker going into the NFL, just never really happened for him for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is, but I would much rather take a chance on a guy like Josh Pascal, who did, again, wasn't the most heavily recruited guy or highly touted guy going into this draft process, but he did produce in college. He tested pretty well for considering what type of player he is. And um, I would rather take a chance on his ability to generate pressure and, and utilize le leverage to his advantage and defend a run rather than DeMarvin Leal, who I just don't think does anything particularly well at this point in time. So without further ado, I think we should talk about to end this podcast here you know, after we've gone over all these prospects here today, uh, I know we've thrown a lot at our listeners in terms of guys to look at here uh, for this draft class, but now we, the conversation comes up of what do the Bears do to address defensive line in this draft? And I know you kind of touched on it earlier. You said, again, I feel like the conversation is going to be very similar to edge rusher where, um, you know, defensive line may not just be a priority based off of uh, the needs that the Bears have, especially on offense, but you know, if you want to expand on that, you said, what do you think the Bears should do um, with this defensive line in this draft? And what do you think they will end up doing as we get closer here um, to seeing what their draft plans are uh, for this draft? Yeah, I would say this is that defensive line just does not seem like it's an incredibly high priority for the Bears. I mean, they made two signings in free agency, basically committing two-year deals to Justin Jones as well as Al-Qadim Muhammad. And I know that people are looking at this and saying, oh, well, the Bears haven't really signed players to multi-year deals. Well, guess what? What's your definition of a multi-year deal? Because that's a debate that was going around Bears Twitter today. And people are constantly talking about what Ryan Poles should and shouldn't be doing. But signing Qadim Muhammad and Justin Jones to multi-year deals is, in fact, that's basically two-year deals is what it is. So Ryan Poles has not only made one-year signings this free agency, but I think what has to happen is this, is that if you're going to add to this positional group, you have to be confident that there's going to be somebody that's there on day three. I would say probably the fifth or sixth round that you look to add. And I ultimately say that because the Bears would be foolish to go, and I know you kind of alluded to this, but the Bears would be foolish to go into round two or three and draft a defensive player simply because right now the priority for this team should be how can we continue to add to the offense you know what having a big three technique and having someone who's going to be an impact player that's great and all but then again 2022 for the bears should not be about seeing what's on the defensive side of the football because much some of the core i want to say roughly on 40 to 50 percent that you're going to see on the field in 2022 was in fact here in 2021 that's talking about a lot of the major players so ultimately for the bears you know it's all about just seeing what justin fields can do and continue to add to the offense so as a result d-line can be a day three pick but it should not be atop anyone's list of needs to address for the bears 
Yeah, I think barring a, a trade scenario where the Bears can trade down in the second round and maybe pick up an additional like late conditional third round, compensatory third round pick from a team or uh, maybe an early fourth round pick from a team, I don't think defensive line should be a priority at all until you start getting to the fifth round, sixth round, and even if they trade back and get a seventh round pick, like I don't think they should be addressing it until there because uh, it's it kind of the things that we pointed out already, I, I bet a ton on this podcast, but the priority for the Bears on day two should be to fill up the offensive roster and get some help for Justin Fields because he needs it right now when you look at this, uh, this depth chart. It's not a very good depth chart on offense, and I get it. The defensive line is an important part of the Eberflu scheme, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they do make a pick for, let's say, a three-tech like a Perion Winfrey um, or Matthew Butler at some point in the third round, let's say. Um, but right now, I think wide receiver, the offensive line needs to complete overhaul. And even when you look at defense, like cornerback has not been a position that has been, I mean, I know they signed Tavon Young um, earlier this, this past week, but it hasn't been a, a position where you, you can feel a lot of confidence with what they have right now. Whereas you look at the defensive line, the Bears have already made some pretty significant additions to this roster here. I mean, Justin Jones uh, is getting pretty decent money to be kind of a role-playing uh, three tech kind of like a stopgap for two years here at that spot I know you mentioned Al-Kadi Muhammad I mean he's an edge guy but he kind of fits that mold of a bigger run defending defensive end um, where I, I wouldn't say he's the same as the interior defensive line because he's not but um, he kind of fills a similar role as being that that early down run defender for this team you still have Mario Edwards here as a situational pass rusher Angelo Blackson was a pretty solid ad for them last year he's in the last year of his contract um, and then Kyrus Tonga, um, as a seventh round pick last year, he, he showed some potential here to maybe be a rotational guy for this defense as a nose tackle, uh, for them, a situational run defender. So, um, you know, there, I wouldn't say this defensive, uh, line group is good for them right now. It's certainly a downgrade from what they had last year, but this is why you brought in a guy like Matt Eberflus to be the head coach. You're hoping that he can coach these guys up and get the most out of them. And that doesn't require you to have to spend um, a bunch of significant resources to overhaul this defense when the most important thing right now should be to address this offense. My biggest fear is the fact that, you know, the fact that the Bears did hire a defensive-minded head coach at Eberflus, he's going to want to set the tone and build his defense his way uh, with what they have here in this first offseason. My biggest fear is that, yeah, they might spend the first couple of second round picks on offense here, like a wide receiver, get an offensive lineman. But my biggest fear is that they're going to, in that third round, they're going to look to spend a, a, a draft pick there on a, on a defensive tackle here to address that position. And I'm just not a huge, yeah, again, I'm not a huge fan of this draft class in general. There are some guys that intrigue me, like some guys I, I talked about here in this draft class, but I feel like most of those guys that intrigue me are either going to be off the board or, even a reach at that 71 pick uh, compared to where I have them right now. Um, and again, I think there's a ton of value at wide receiver in this, in this class. I think there's a ton of value um, in the interior offensive line in this class. Like I think they could use those resources on day two a little bit better than addressing defense where it doesn't really help Justin Fields in the short term. It doesn't help him in the long term. Um, it's just getting a defensive guy for the sake of, you know, we need to get a three tech here because that's an important part of the defense. Again, it might be an important part of the defense, but the most important part of the franchise right now is Justin Fields and finding out what the heck is they have in him right now because they may love him. They may think that he is the franchise guy moving forward, but 
if you just surround him with a bunch of crap on offense and he, you know, he doesn't look, really look good. He's, he's uh, develop, developing bad habits. He's not developing the way he should be in his second year. We're not seeing that breakout. I mean, not a breakout, but we're not seeing that significant uh, improvement, so to speak. Um, that only puts you into a, a worse spot in year three, where now you have questions about the quarterback and whether you have the right guy moving forward. So finding out those answers first with Justin Fields is more important than getting yourself a three tech right now. So again, I can see the bears. If they can, again, if they can trade back and get an extra third round pick or a fourth round pick, I'm all for spending uh, that type of selection on, on a defensive tackle, because then I think you could get good value uh, with the picks that they have right now. I don't see it until late day three, but who knows? The Bears may feel differently uh, because it's a new regime. It's a new coaching staff. We'll just end up, we'll just have to see what happens uh, when we get to the drafts. It's only two weeks away. So uh, very exciting stuff here as we wrap it up. And um, I think this is a good point to say that um, we're going to wrap it up here for this episode of the Picks for Polls podcast. I want to thank our listeners once again for tuning in um, today. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe and review our podcast on all podcasting platforms. As far as where you can follow us, make sure to follow us on social media at Twitter um, at uh, Picks for Polls. Uh, you say, where can our listeners uh, follow you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys. So you can follow me on Twitter at Ustade Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report too. Leading up to the NFL draft, I'll have a couple interior offensive linemen um scouting reports out i've got kenny on green that is out right now on the website the prospect from texas a&m so go check that out yeah absolutely i got some scouting reports out as well which you can check out the bear report as for where you can follow me on twitter you can follow me at aj freeman 25 make sure to check out my scouting reports on the bear report and make sure to check out the bear report youtube channel uh where we're going to be doing some interesting stuff uh with me and zach in terms of doing film breakdowns on some of these free agency signings. And then after the draft, we're going to be focusing on some of these guys that the Bears end up drafting here and doing some film work for you guys there on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to the Bear Report on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out. But once again, I want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in to all of our episodes as we break down all these position groups. It's an exciting time here as we wind down here to the NFL draft. The countdown is on. We're two weeks away. Um, I, I can't wait for it. It's kind of hard to... To wait. it's kind of hard because I'm looking forward to it so much. I just kind of wanted to get here at this point, but you know, we have to be patient here. We have to see how it plays out. But at the end of the day, uh, Bears fans, have yourselves a great weekend and bear down. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com